Lord. Glory to God. It is a uh, great uh, blessing to be here. It's my last opportunity to, to minister, and I just want to just let you know so I've enjoyed the privilege of preaching here, the great atmosphere uh, that is here. Amen. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to go there in the Word of God today. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And um, I'll begin with this illustration. You know, you, you're always a afraid to use illustrations that come out of books because you think everybody's heard them. For the benefit of maybe five or six of you that haven't heard this yet, I'll use this. Um, the, it goes like this. It says, a, a store that sells husbands has just opened in Dallas, Texas, where a woman may go to choose a husband from among many men. The store is composed of six floors. And the men increase in positive attributes as the shopper ascends the flights. There is, however, a catch. As you open the door to any floor, you may choose a man from that floor. But if you go up a floor, you cannot go back down except to exit the building. So a woman goes to the shopping center to find a husband. On the first floor, the sign on the door reads, Floor 1. These men have jobs. The woman reads the sign and says to herself, Well, that's better than my last boyfriend. But I wonder what's further up. So she goes up to the second floor. When she gets to the second floor, the sign reads floor two. These men have jobs and love kids. The woman remarks to herself, that's great, but I wonder what's further up. So she goes up to the third floor. When she arrives on the third floor, the sign reads floor three. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. Hmm, she says. But I wonder what's upstairs. The fourth floor sign reads floor four. These men have jobs, love kids, are good looking, and are helpful with housework. Wow, exclaims the woman. Very tempting, but there must be something further up. So she heads up another flight to the fifth floor. And in the fifth floor, there's a sign that says that these men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, they help with the housework, and they're also very romantic. Oh, mercy me, she says. <laughs> but then she begins to wonder, what's on the sixth floor? And so she, again, she leaves the fifth floor behind, goes to the sixth floor. When she gets there, she finds a sign that says, uh, You are visitor number 3,456,789. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. <laughs> now, I have a burden. I have a burden. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's so many young people here talking to you, many of the young men. I, I, I feel for you. I uh, got saved when I was 16. I used to go to the Prescott conferences, this kind of atmosphere as a teenager. And, and in this last opportunity to preach, I, I want to minister to target young people here this morning. Because there's so many aspiring ministries. And I want to 
minister to you. You're stirred about the call of God, about the will of God. And you need to understand something, that there is a critical issue that is going to have to take place in many of your lives. And that is that you're going to have to negotiate the issue of relationship, courtship and marriage. And for all your ability to preach and all of your desire, if you do not do this successfully, then you are going to be uh, like Samson, you are going to be put on the ash heap. I can tell you name after name of an anointed young man who could preach, who wanted to do something for God, but where they missed it was when it came to courting and marriage. They married the wrong one or they fell into fornication. And so I want to just minister a sermon this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, called The Rules. I want to talk to you about the rules of dating in our fellowship. And, uh, and uh, at least as I understand them. <laughs> and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to talk to you about courtship this morning. Verse 2, the scripture says these words. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Father, I thank you for so many young men and women who desire to do something for God. God, I pray, preserve this godly seed. God, let them come together in marriage. God, let uh, there be powerful ministry couples risen up to impact the world. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Now, let's talk about, first of all, the need for instruction. And this is so important because we are living in a time uh, of miserable state of affairs. It is sad that one of the most important and defining moments of a person's life, who are they going to marry and have children with, and spend the rest of their life with, uh, comes with so much bad advice uh, from the world. This is uh, entertainment fodder. We are living in the age of the reality TV show, uh, The Bachelor. So you want to marry a millionaire, Joe Millionaire, Temptation Island. Uh, and so what they've done is they have taken the issue of romance and courtship. Uh, they have put it on the television uh, and uh, it is used for entertainment purposes. It is simply fodder for the world to mock and to make fun of. We are living in the age of the Internet dating services uh, where you're just going to plug in some information uh, and uh, a computer software is going to find for you Miss Wright uh, or Mr. Wright. We are living in the day of the porn industry that sells a cheap and artificial intimacy that leaves people in ruin um, and has becoming more and more acceptable um, and mainstream. Um, and the basic message of the world is clear this morning. Uh, when it comes to romance and marriage, uh, it's all about looks, fate, and sex appeal. You just kind of uh, go along, uh, being a little tease, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, wham, bam, you're going to meet uh, some man or some wor girl, uh, and you're going to be overwhelmed. Uh, you're going to experience chemistry uh, and connection. Uh, and the sad thing is that even Christians are buying into this theology. That this is becoming the mindset uh, of a generation. I don't believe this morning in soulmates. I don't believe that, uh, you know, out there somewhere uh, is your soulmate. 
You know, that you're just going to go through life um, and then you're going to meet, uh, you know, somebody. uh, And I mean, it was just God intended for us uh, to be together. Uh, You know what? That is a dangerous theology. Because you're here in uh, Perth, West Australia. How do you know your soulmate isn't living, uh, you know, uh, in uh, in, uh, Brazil? (laughs) And the danger is you're going to get with someone who you think is your soulmate uh, and instead to belong to somebody else when the right one comes along. Amen. Girls come to conference. See some young man. Oh! Oh, that's that's my destiny! And then another young man comes. Oh! Never mind! You know, and all of a sudden, they're a whole... You know, and you've got this uh, MTV uh, mindset, you know, about the, the will of God. And, you know, Lord, show me who it is. Amen. How many know we could have a new reality show called Conference Connection? <laughs> Come on now. I like to say everybody's here for vision. <laughs> everybody's here. World evangelism. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Let's not kid ourselves. There are young men here. They put an extra spray of cologne on here. <laughs> Girls, you know, if you could see them before prayer meeting with curls in their hair, you know, and... Uh, Working those curling irons, you know, and, uh, you know, because uh, there's more happening here than just vision and soul church planning and soul winning, you know. Well, there's a need, beloved, and that need is for wisdom. As believers in Jesus, we are not without help to life's important decisions. And the Apostle Paul, and I understand I'm taking liberty with the verse, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So the Apostle Paul, he's speaking about the Corinthian church, and he's saying, I want to, to uh, successfully get the Corinthian church to the altar. That's the spirit. He is saying, you know, that, that uh, my job is to look after her, you know, mean, understand that they would become betrothed uh, uh, to a man. Uh, but yet the actual consummation of the wedding uh, had him taken place. And Paul says, my job is to look after the church and to successfully get her to the altar as a virgin. And that is the role of a pastor in ministry uh, this morning. But I want to take that imagery uh, and say to you this morning that it is our burden, uh, young man, young woman, is to get you to this altar a virgin. That there is a legitimate uh, desire in the heart of a church and a pastor to care for its young. And to want to bring them to this place, to want them to have that, uh, amen, we cannot abandon the issue of courtship and dating. Uh, We can't just dismiss it uh, as kind of unnecessary and just kind of a foolish uh, thing. I want to tell you, it is a big deal in our churches. Uh, It is a big deal for these young people. uh, And we must pay attention and help them to get here. There has to be a burden I want to see our single brethren happily and successfully married. Proverbs is instruction for young people to know wisdom and instruction. Through wisdom, a house is built by understanding it is established. Cling to wisdom. She will protect you. Love her. She will guard you. 
Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. I want to tell you, our people, um, our single young men and women need the wisdom of God. And we're going to have to help them. And we're going to have to pay attention to this arena. A little observation I've made. You know, I met my wife. One of the best things I did, young man this morning, young single uh, guy who wants to preach. One of the best things I did is married my wife. God helped me to find a young lady in the Tucson church that loved God, that was going to live for Jesus no matter what I did, that was going to be pure, had some self-respect and dignity, had a willingness to leave her promising athletic career and college career to get involved with a guy that worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken and... Link hearts with me, uh, and I want to tell you that is a great, great blessing. Uh, and so I feel for you. I know what it is to get saved at 16 and to have to meet a young lady in the church uh, and go through all the ups and the downs of, a ro- of, of, of courting her and bringing that and having a clean relationship and having the blessing of God and not compromising our testimony. And I found out, I mentioned this, I think, to Pastor Vickery this morning. I said, you know what I've learned is that the people that have never had to do it have no grace. On the quarters in a congregation. You know that? They have no grace. You know, I had a situation a while back, you know, uh, a young, you know, this guy and this girl, they're disciples and they're courting. And a couple of his very friends, you know, came to me. Well, we were concerned about uh, uh, this brother because, you know, they, they, they talk on the phone a lot, you know, and he's talking to her. And, and, I, I, and I just got ticked off. I said, look at both of you guys, man. You were shacking up with your girlfriends when you came in here. What are you going to tell this guy about dating? Come in with two or three kids and now you're the authority about courting. Please. Okay, let's go on now. Because <laughs> the fact is, this is not easy. You can sit back and if you haven't ever done it, you don't know what you're talking about. These people are not going to fornicate. They're trying to negotiate the raging issues and emotions and the ups and downs. Uh, you know, do I love her? Does he love me now? You know, they're going through all of that. <laughs> While they're trying to serve God and trying to keep things right. And so this leads me to my second point, which is the unwritten rules of dating in our fellowship. Now, what are unwritten rules? You know, unwritten rules are, is the idea that there is a spirit to the law. That there's a way that we do things uh, uh, that really belongs in a code of ethics. It's not like these hard, fast rules. People are always asking, what are the rules of dating in the church? What are the rules in the fellowship? Well, there, there, are, there are such a thing as unwritten rules. Let me draw from the picture of sports. And so uh, they tell us in cycling, Pastor Warner told me this, I didn't know this, that in, in, in proper cycling, competitive cycling, there's an unwritten rule. And that unwritten rule is that uh, the leader of the pack, if he has an accident and he falls off his bike, the unwritten rule is everybody stops and allows him to get back on his bike uh, and continue going. They don't have to do that. Technically, they could uh, ride right by him or maybe ride all on top of him uh, and, uh, you know, make a face and go on. But for the, but for the sake of, uh, of unity and, and uh, cohesion, uh, they don't do that. They have developed an ethic in order to keep things running smoothly. That's called an unwritten rule. 
In America, we played baseball, which is not like cricket. And in, in, in baseball, one of the unwritten rules of baseball, I'm talking about professional baseball, is uh, if your batter is up to bat and the pitcher pitches, he's throwing 95 miles an hour. Uh, and uh, if he throws and he hits the batter with the ball, the unwritten rule of baseball is that the next inning, your pitcher gets up and hits one of their guys with the ball. That's what they do. It. That's the rule, man. Or the unwritten rule. Everybody knows that it. it's not codified. It's not written on paper. But everybody knows it's there. In hockey, it's understood that you know hockey players fight, but you don't fight the stars. You leave the, the the stars alone. And so, beloved, in our churches, there is an ethic for a smooth operating of courtship. And if we violate that, I guarantee you, it comes back to roost. It haunts you later. These are not laws or commandments, but these are the wisdom of time to help you, young man, young woman, to make a good decision and to give you an advantage. I have had people come to me. What are the rules in this church of dating? What are the rules? You know, and, and, you know, I don't know what they expect me to say. And maybe there might be some variations, but I have seven here this morning. I just want to touch on no heavy revelations right now, and, uh, but, uh, but I believe they'll help you. Seven rules for dating his child, and so I want you to consider them. First one, give them six months. Allow them an opportunity to grow without distraction. In other words, uh, if some hot tamale comes down to the altar, brother, you know, uh, you don't go down and lead her to Jesus, you know what I mean? It's not your job. Hi, I'm, a, I'm the follow-up director in this church. You talk only to me and me only. <laughs> we believe in giving them six months. Allowing people to make a decision to live for God without distraction. Most of our young men and women converts that come into our churches, you know, they have spent their entire uh, uh, recent life um, immersed in the highly sensual and sexual culture of our day. Last thing they need uh, as they get out of the dating and all that to come into church uh, and to find that they have to do the same thing. They have to deal with that. They have, many of the, the, the uh, sadly, as you've heard Pastor Mitchell mention this week, uh, many young girls, they only uh, know how to relate with men on a sexual level. That's the only way. They don't understand. They, they don't see it any other way. And they, don't, they come into church and sometimes they carry that spirit with them. And they need to be set free from that. And the best way to set them free, bro, is to leave her alone and don't give her the time of day until she begins to feel a little uncomfortable. She begins to feel like, you know what, uh, functioning in the church is not like functioning in the world. And you rob her of that process uh, if you uh, uh, try to get her too soon. Uh, Young lady, if you try to get him uh, too soon and you don't allow God to work in his life. The Bible says, I want you to be without care. He was unmarried, cares for the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. It's very simple that when you are single, uh, you can serve God without distraction. God can do something in their lives. Uh, Men become distracted by women. And if you will leave him alone, something will happen in his life. I don't know how many times I've had to deal with this. I've had to step in and I found out it's very difficult once they start liking each other. 
because uh, you're now the bad guy and say, you know, you need to leave him alone. I'll never forget uh, a situation years and years ago uh, where I had to insert myself uh, with a young convert man uh, and a girl that should have known better. Oh, man, you know, she got mad. She was angry at me. Uh, She even got one of the sisters to have, quote, a meeting with me. And I remember saying, you know, you need to leave this guy alone. So she, she held at bay. She held him at bay long enough. And finally they got married. You know, they, you know, they, they waited. Uh, but, it, well, you know, the reality is that we knew, you know, what, what can you do? Sometimes you, you... In other words, you know, I, I wish I could say that everybody I married, I was sure about. You know, they didn't do things wrong technically. But it was clear to me that this girl had frustrated a process of growth in this young man. I told her, I told her, she didn't listen, they got married. Uh, I can tell you about seven years later, and she's sitting down on the platform with me after a service, weeping, I should have listened to you, Pastor Ruby, I should have listened to you. You know what I told her when she told me that? I said, I want you to do me a favor, and I pointed to a young single girl in the church, please go tell her your story, because she's about to do the same thing. Give them six months. Number two, don't play the field. You are not here to meet someone. This is a byproduct of serving God. Amen. You know, you ever, you ever read those single ads in the newspaper? I was going to say, have you ever written one, but I'm not. There's something dangerous about being too eager to find somebody. Maybe you heard this. Single black female seeks male companionship. Ethnicity unimportant. I am a very good looking girl who loves to play. Long walks in the woods, riding in your pickup, hunting, camping, and fishing trips. Cozy winter nights lying by the fire and candlelight dinners will have me eating out of your hand. Hold on. Rub me the right way and watch me respond. I'll be at the front door when you get home from work, wearing only what nature gave me. And then uh, there's a phone number and it says, ask for Daisy. According to the article, 15,000 men answered the ad. And when they did, they found themselves talking to the local Humane Society about an eight-week-old black Labrador retriever. And there's a metaphor there about uh, dating services and dogs, but I'll leave that for you to think about. There's a danger when you are in too much of a hurry. Slow down, bro. I read a few of Clancy's older books. You can't read his newer ones because he cusses now. And, uh, you know, but in those old books, you know, you read about submarine warfare. And one of the things about submarine warfare is that submarines operate under the surface with what's called passive sonar. And that is that their sonar is turned off or turned very low, uh, and they use the sonar to guide the ship and find out what else is out there. And and they go along, and they're listening to whales, and they're listening to different things, and they're trying to find. And and then they'll pick up uh, the the screws uh, of, of 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 an enemy submarine. 
and they listen, but it's called passive sonar. But when they know that one of their targets is nearby, for them to successfully lock in on them, they have to go from passive to active sonar. And when they flip that switch to active sonar, uh, that is saying we are now looking for the enemy. The only problem is once you do that, you now make yourself a target of the enemy. It's called pinging. Ping, ping, ping. And they launch uh, this sonar uh, and it goes out and it bounces off the hull of the other submarine. Uh, and uh, it helps you to locate somebody, uh, but it helps somebody to locate you. And so it's very dangerous. And they can go from passive to active only at the last moment uh, because it puts them in a vulnerable state. I declare to you this morning, uh, when you go from passive to actively looking for someone to marry, you make yourself a target. Reality is that many times we read about these poor young girls who get raped. Uh, what they don't tell you is many of them uh, have positioned themselves in that place by actively looking for it. You come to conference this week, passive sonar. Praise God, serve God. You know, I'm all right, pray. You know, I'm just you know. But there are some of you here. You're pinging. <laughs> Don't play the field. Number three, limit your scope. Decide what pond you are going to fish in. Abraham told his servant, I want you to get my son Isaac a bride. Right here. All right. And so I'm not going to step into it this morning. Here we are at conference uh, and everything else. Uh, I have my own feelings about uh, uh, all the inner church dating and everything. You know, it's going to happen. Nothing to say. It's going to happen. I've lost some girls. I'm bitter. And, uh, and, and, and so you have, you know, the inner church uh, thing. But, you know, there are problems with that. And you better be careful. Because how many know somebody can look really good here at conference? You know what I mean? Some of these guys, you know. And, you know, they may not be quite that in their local church. Pastor, he goes to another church. I know it's not our fellowship, but he really loves the Lord. She, she, I know she's not part of the potter's house, but she's really saved. You know what? The sad thing is, I have the names of some men in my notes. I'm not going to say them. Young man, I'm a young disciple, and I see these guys. Gifted, anointed, God's using them. But they went out and found their wives. You know, not enough girls in the church, you know. There are only like several hundred of them at the time, you know. Not enough girls here, you know. Or, well, they're not all, you know, they're, you know. So they went and they imported their wives from some other ministry. They really loved the Lord. You know what? My problem with that, beloved, is that every, I've never seen it work. I found out something about those women. And that is that women sometimes can have a long-term agenda, man. And they'll jump through the hoops. And you throw the ball and they'll go get it and bring it back. They'll do these things. But I want to tell you that, that, uh, that uh, down the road, 
an agenda begins to operate in their life. Uh, very interesting. These good brothers that were hardworking, you know, responsible men. But when they begin to pursue the call of God, all of a sudden, uh, the leash uh, was on him and not her. <laughs> Boom! She jerked that guy. And I saw two good men as I was coming up who went out, shopped for their wives, brought them back into the church. I don't know what they were thinking. Who are not saved today. You better figure out where you're going to fish, bro. Sis. Amen. <laughs> Number four, seek advice. Verse, Proverbs 13, verse 10. Take advice and become wise. You are not left to yourself, but you have the benefit of covering. Let your pastor or your pastor's wife be involved. All right, especially if you're going to be into this inner church dating stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, you know, why not allow, uh, you know, ministry to be involved? I, I, I Wade and Lisa Schultz were recently at our church, and they, 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 uh, he spoke at a single thing, and he talked about this. Uh, and he's made the statement, you know, he was in the church in Yuma. Lisa was in church 2,000 miles away in Illinois. And he said, though, that uh, because uh, of a relationship with the pastor, he said, I let them be my eyes and ears. I allowed leadership to be involved. Some of you, your big problem is you want to do all this uh, and you want to hide it from leadership. You want to do it and you somehow this distrust uh, of, of, of leadership, uh, uh, you don't understand. You're missing out. That you can have the benefit. I was talking with Pastor Warren and he was mentioning to me that there was a young woman in the church there in Tucson and several young men were interested. And this little girl, her father's not saved, or not really a part of her family. And so what she did is uh, one, of the, one of the leaders in the church, him and his wife, she said, you know what, uh, I'm, you're going to help me here. And whenever a young man would begin to uh, uh, pay attention to her, she would simply go uh, run his name by them and they would say, or that, uh, and it was, that was it. Talk to the hand. And uh, there was, uh, we're going to, you must have this. I don't know if I can stress to you uh, anymore the, uh, the ability to have the benefit of, of brethren, mature Christians uh, who love you or are successfully married, man. I've said successfully married. Don't get them bitter ones because they'll never think a guy's good enough. And, uh, you know, and, and let them help you. Very sad. Yolanda, my wife, goes to Tucson for something a few months ago and runs in to a girl that she was her roommate when she was just a young lady in the Tucson church. Sees this girl. This girl has not been in church. She's just shown up that night. And so Yolanda goes over and, hey, what's going on? And they hug and they're, they're catching up. The woman's divorced. You understand, you know, they were roommates, young women in the church, married, uh, you know, in the congregation. Here's now, we're 20 some years down the road. And this girl's, oh, I'm not married and divorced and my husband's backslidden and she's made, her life's a total mess. And this is what vexed me because uh, Yolanda starts to just deal with her, you know. And this girl goes, you know what? When I married him, uh, nobody warned me, man. Nobody warned me about uh, him. If I had only known. Uh, and so she's trying to foist off onto the church uh, the failure of her life. The only problem is we were there. We remember. And it was clear, man, that we would say, you know, why are you, this guy's carnal? Why are you getting involved? This guy, did you ever see him in prayer meeting? 
You ever see him on outreach? Do you see him even? No, but he's funny and he's good looking and he has a nice car. Well, how many know that doesn't work 20 years down the road? The real issue was people were trying to speak into her life, but she wasn't listening. Number five, quickly, friendship first. Best relationships begin with conversation. Isn't that a revelation? We are not into physical relationship. Simple observation. Once you get physical, nobody wants to talk. It becomes the focus. Talk. Build a relationship. First Timothy 5. Treat the younger women as sisters. Pay her a degree of respect. You know, conversation, man. Just, uh, you know, talk to people. Be friendly. Be, you know, just and do that. And, and, you know, if I could throw this in without you throwing me over a cliff. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, a young lady, if you, you want to, you know, one day get married, you might be, you know, nice. <laughs> Is that okay? Be friendly. I got these girls in my church. Uh, they want to be, I want to be a pastor's wife. I want to be a pastor's wife. I want to be a pastor's wife. And these young future pastors, you know, hi, one, hi, 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 can I, you know, hi. I want to be a pastor's wife, Shandala, Shandala. How is that going to happen, dear, you know? You're going to end up in a convent if you don't watch out. There has to be some conversation. I could spend a long time on that one, but I'm going to go on. <laughs> For number six, let men initiate. Did you hear all those female amens right there, bro? <laughs> okay, this is an old-fashioned, but it places a foundation for future relationships. Moses fights for Zipporah. Simple, isn't it? Moses fights for her. Two verses or three verses later, Moses marries her. Because men respond to vulnerable women. Men do not want to fight women. Okay? It is hard if you are a female kickboxer to get married. We are living in the day of the modern culture, you know what I mean? And the aggressive woman. All right? Sheena, warrior princess. Men and women are different. I picked this up. It says this. If Lori, Linda, Elizabeth, and Barbara go out for lunch, they will call each other Lori, Linda, Elizabeth, and Barbara. If Mark, Chris, Eric, and Tom go out to lunch, they will affectionately call each other Fat Boy, Godzilla, Peanut Head, and Scrappy. <laughs> when the bill arrives, Mark, Chris, Eric, and Tom will each throw $20 in, even though it's the whole bill is $32.50. When the girls get their bill, out come the pocket calculators. A man has five items in his bathroom, a toothbrush, shaving cream, razor, a bar of soap, and a towel he stole from a hotel. The average number of items in the typical woman's bathroom is 337. 
a man would not be able to identify most of these items. <laughs> women love cats. Men say they love cats, but when the women aren't looking, men kick cats. <laughs> A couple drove down a country road for several miles, not saying a word. An earlier discussion had led to an argument, and neither of them wanted to concede their position. As they passed a barnyard of mules, jackasses, and pigs, the husband asked sarcastically, Relatives of yours? <laughs> yep, the wife replied, They're my in-laws. Men and women are different. <laughs> Proverbs 9, she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call those who pass by. That's the spirit of the whore, and the whorish spirit is in our generation. The aggressive female. Let me tell you, young lady, if uh, you know you're one, I want to marry a man of God, then let the man of God be a man of God. He has to step up to the plate. You can't go up to these guys and, uh, hey, how are you doing? How would you like to go out? <laughs> Don't do that, man. <laughs> Let me help you. Don't do that. You're on an outreach. You know. Don't show them how it's done, street preaching. <laughs> and all, you know, these girls, you know, I don't know what's the matter with these guys. They're all a bunch of whips. Uh, listen, please. God, let the guy initiate. There's something about him conquering you. At least pretend like he's conquering you. <laughs> I was talking with one of the men in our church, and he was, um, was telling me how he had gone hunting the other day. And, uh, and uh, he had heard a noise. And he goes through this clearing and comes off. And there are two bucks, deer. And they're, and they're bucks, and they're having it out. I mean, they're locking horns. He said it was, it was amazing. Just in this clearing, he sees these two bucks, and they're having it out. And nearby is a doe. She's just sitting there, and she's watching as these two guys are having it out over her. That's nature, man. That's, that's, I, cause that, is, <laughs> that is it right there, man, right there. These two men, something in them has to rise up. I don't want any fist fights in the parking lot right now. Okay? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. There's a masculine dimension about getting a woman, uh, and there's something about the little dough. That's just healthy. He told me that the next day my son came home from school and said, Oh, Dad, you should have seen it. There was a big fight today. Two girls. <laughs> There are two girls fighting. He goes, yeah, they're the best ones when they fight. And he said, oh, what were they fighting? They were fighting over some guy. And this image of these two girls fighting. And there's, uh, there, there's the guy. <laughs> and I, you know, I thought to myself, you know, here's some chick, man, fat, limp, bleeding. Uh, Come on, let's go. You know, uh, If you ask her out, bro, pay the bill. I 
nice guys, man. You know, you want to go out? You know, you go out, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, your part is... That's it. Come on now, man. It's Thursday. There's still two days. But you, you pay. How many ladies can say amen? That's right. That's right. All right. I need to hurry up. Hey, let me just throw this out real quick. Respect the parents. Okay, a lot of these girls thankfully have saved parents, even their unsaved parents. You know what I mean? You ought to, you ought to show some respect. My, my wife's father was not saved when we got involved, uh, and I went and asked for her hand in marriage. I went over there, I brought a pizza. And, uh, and uh, you know, and we're talking, and, uh, you know, we're there, Yolanda and I, we're there talking to parents, and, you know, how the baseball, how those Dodgers are doing, Yolanda's kicking me under the table. You know, respect the parents. You know, if you know, you know, I understand what Pastor Mitchell said, powerful, powerful truth, but there is a parental blessing. You know, some, you like some young lady, you're interested in her parents, you're watching poor, pay her father a little respect and just say, you know, uh, I, I, I would like to take your daughter to coffee and, uh, and uh, you know, do that. Instead of, you know, uh, you know, I need to hurry up. Number seven, if you want to marry a disciple, you need to be a disciple. You know, a lot of people come to church to find a husband or wife. I mean, they don't want to get their uh, wife from the pub. She doesn't want to marry Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you know, it's amazing to me. It ticks me off, these, these guys that come into our church, you know, and they've been working out at the gym, you know, and, uh, and they've got a job and a nice car. They're acting just like they're in high school, and they think they're just going to dance on into our church and they're going to pick off one of our good girls. If you're not going to be a good boy, what makes you think you can get a good girl? If you want a disciple, be a disciple. Be something, something you, you need to be what you want. Is that too difficult to understand? You want a man who prays, and you want a man who loves the Lord and is going on outreach and, and is a man of God. Well, let me ask you something, dear. Are you a woman of God? Are those qualities in your life, is there something in your spirit uh, that is burdened uh, or is it just the kind of man you want? Very simply put, why not exhibit the qualities in your life that you want in your future spouse? That this is the kind of person I'm going to be. It wasn't hard for me to marry my wife. She wasn't, you know, don't get, don't get me wrong. She's not a street preaching machine or anything like that. But that there was something in her that just loved God and believed in our vision. In fact, to be quite honest with you, if she had been too aggressive spiritually, I would have turned me off. I would have ran for my life. But there was something there. And sadly today, it makes me wonder about these, some of these young men who want to preach uh, and the girls that they're, uh, they're, they're, they're attracted to. It's like it, it almost reveals something of their character. Okay, let's close. I want to talk to you finally about the written rules of dating. Now, there are some unwritten rules, but let's talk about some written rules. There's a difference between good advice and law. There are written rules of dating that cannot be tampered with. And I need to touch on very quickly. Number one, and that is uh, three laws for Christian singles. Number one, fornication is wrong and unacceptable. Sex outside of marriage is clearly forbidden. Fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Let not fornication be once named among you as become a saint. Acts 15 says, uh, listen, uh, tell these people, if they'll just not fornicate and worship idols, they'll be okay. And that is not up for negotiation. The fact is uh, that sexual purity is demanded. And I would say to every aspiring uh, young disciple here, you want to preach. Many of you have taken the time to come up and talk to me and uh, tell me where you're from. Uh, make a commitment this morning, and that is I'm going to be sexually pure. There is an authority. I don't have time to go into it, but Revelation speaks about this 144,000 uh, that are going to make an impact during the tribulation period. Uh, and the beloved, that it's, it's striking to me that one of their identifiers is they are virgins. You need to make up your mind that you're going to be sexually pure. That is not a, quote, potter's house rule. That's the word of God. And when we're married in God's eyes, well, you know, there's this divorce and we're not fully divorced and it's hard to finalize because he's living in Antarctica right now. And, uh, and it doesn't matter. Who cares? If you're not married, then you need, to, you, need to, you need to move out, you need to separate, and you need to be clean. And I'd say to pastors here this morning, you better make a stand right here because most couples coming to our churches now are shacking up. And a lot of times they will lie to you and they'll say, oh, that's my husband, that's my wife. And you have to speak to this issue. You have to preach about shacking up. You need to talk about the difference between being married and fornicating. When you find out that people are not married, you have to find a way into their conversation and raise the issue and begin to give clear direction of what they need to do. Number two. The written rules of dating is it's clearly a sin to marry a non-believer. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. It is a sin. It is, it is not. Well, that's what we believe. That's what the Bible says. And I can't change the Bible. You can come and say, you know, well, he's this or she's this uh, and on and on. Listen, it is a sin. It is wrong. And you will pay the price. I've never seen anybody successfully do it. Every person that's ever done it that I've ever met has always regretted it. They've always, you know, came back and finally said, yeah, I, I, I know I shouldn't have done it. Number three, marriage is a lifetime commitment. Okay, you're not getting married. Britney Spears gets married and she's divorced by the weekend. But I want to tell you something this morning. We believe in marriage for life. I've been married almost 23 years. I want to tell you something this, this morning. Marriage is a lifetime commitment. It is a decision that you make uh, with a young man or a young woman. Uh, and it says, you know what, I'm going to live for God. And as I live for God, God's going to help me. Let me just throw this out for you just real quick. This is just a little observation out of my notes. God showed me something the other day. Got some girls in my church who don't want to get married. Well, they want to get married if he's six foot two, earns 200000 a year, and, uh, and has all the spiritual qualities. And so I don't get married. I don't get married. No. And there's something about that just doesn't sit right with me. I believe you ought to marry wisely, but I do believe you ought to marry young. Very interesting thing the other day happened in our church. We have a young disciple. He's on fire. He's going to preach the gospel. He's clean. He's contending. And he, he wants a wife, you know. And all these other girls, you know, they're just, you know, they just kind of treat him with contempt because he's totally committed himself. Yeah, he likes this young girl in our church. 
And it's just one of those things up and down, you know. Girls can be a trip, you know. You can be, they can be happy, walk out of the room when you come back in. They're not happy anymore. And, and so she's just kind of, you know, he's kind of dealing with that. And, you know, let's break up for a while. I just want to get the mind of God and pray about it. Very interesting thing, though. The other day, God powerfully zapped this girl with the Holy Ghost. I mean, vision, she's talking to me, you know, just, it's like, just her eyes were open to the will of God, the call of God. And the most amazing thing is when she did that, she let him know that she is now open again to renew that relationship. And I thought I got a revelation. That revelation is that, you know, women don't answer the, quote, call of God. Amen. We believe in male preachers here. But a call to world evangelism to a woman is a call to marriage. To link her life with a, a young man and his call and his vision. Something changed. I saw this a few years ago in one of our pastor's wives. Same thing. She, you know, but there was something about the vision that changed her heart towards marriage. That's about it. We've had a great morning. There's a great group.